0: Good evening, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. It's Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. Welcome to the mini-series of 15-minute podcasts. Well, this one's going to be a little longer. If you haven't listened to episode 13, What's Wrong With Being Right? or episode 15, The Choice, I highly recommend you do so before listening to the newest episode 15, titled Lucifer Meets the Counselor. I wonder... Why Lucifer, the architect of evil, would need to meet with a counselor? Let's find out. Once again, close your eyes, unless you're driving, and follow my voice as the story comes alive within the halls of your imagination. Picture entering a room and following the outline of a wall to a door, and as you open it, you are in a bookstore in Anchorage, Alaska. You see a man sitting down, re-reading the same report from the local paper, drinking his coffee. He sighs as he stands up, and a $100 bill falls from his jacket pocket. Immediately, you're aware of two sets of steel blue eyes flickering, watching the man pick up his money and cradle it to his body. The eyes wait for the coffee to call to nature, and the man then makes his way to the local watering hole. As he walks through the aisle of books, he passes the anime section, finding his way to his needed destination. Hurry, said one of the men. You stand here. Don't let anyone in. Where's your mask? He'll see you. It won't matter if he does. Just stay by the door. A man in his 30s walked in the bathroom and kicked the stall door open, grabbed his victim, threw him as if he was a rag doll to the ground, and kicked him viciously in the head until a pool of blood formed. He grabbed the $100 bill and and his wallet. And then he bent over the dying man like he was the Grim Reaper. You won't need this where you're going, he said sarcastically. Did you get it? Come on, let's get out of here, the other man said. And they headed out of the store for their home, which was just a few blocks away. The man got up, walked over to the mirror, There was lots of blood pouring from his head. His face was so badly bruised, one could hardly recognize it was a face. The man turned away from his grotesque image and looked again. No blood. His face was perfectly formed. No indications he'd ever been kicked so mercilessly. The man followed the scent of greed and stopped at the front door of the house of his assailants. He looked down at his watch and started counting. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And then the shots fired. He waited until the gunfire ceased. He pushed the door open with his foot and walked in where pools of blood encircled both men's bodies. The first man was clearly dead. Apparently the other one was a better shot or just lucky. John Elton picked up his wallet and the hundred dollars. He walked over to the other man who was barely alive. He bent down and pierced into those steel blue eyes. And he said, you will not need this where you're going. And then he stood up. He saw what no mortal could see. Smoke from their souls leaving their bodies, and these hideous creatures taking them away, screaming to their eternal torment. John paused. He took a breath. When demons touch a soul, it burns, much like the sound and smell of bacon first thing in the morning. John could listen to the beautiful music of their damnation all day. He sighed again. He left the house. This was just too easy. The hunters thought they had caught their prey, but they were the ones that were hunted. He was even going to give them a sporting chance. Just take the hundred, and he wouldn't have followed. They gave evil a bad name. A red sports car approached. The woman driver intended on driving past, but John gave her a glimpse of the beautiful creature he was, and her plans could wait. Hey, good-looking, do you want to go for a ride of your life, she asked. John entered the car. He did need a ride, if he was going to make it to his counselor. Where are you from, beautiful, she said, like she could just eat him up. John thought he could give her a case of indigestion, but she was a luxury he could not afford at the moment. She pulled up to the building and said, When do I pick you up? I'm not done with you yet. John smiled. You will know, he said and with that she drove off. If desire was a fire, she was an inferno. She wasn't used to this strong of an animal attraction. She would have to wait, which was something she wasn't accustomed to doing. John walked into the waiting room. Alaska art hung on the walls, pictures of mountains, and a large painting of a gray wolf bathed in the northern lights. John approached a young woman at the reception desk. A TV was on in the background showing why Alaska was much better place to live than Florida, as hurricane winds almost shook the palm trees to death. I'm here to see Dr. Lynn, John said. Joan was accustomed to clients, but this man looked like he walked out of a GQ magazine. She felt embarrassed for even asking, Do you have an appointment? she said timidly. John explained he was a walk-in. The woman knew the doctor's schedule. I'm afraid he's booked, but if you take a number... In case of a cancel, she didn't get to finish her sentence. I'll wait, said John, and he picked up the intake paperwork and sat down to fill it out. John mused. Soon she will be shaking like that palm tree, only there'll be no one to stop the wind. John paused. It was William in distress. He could see He could see him. He whispered in his ear. It was an accident, and besides, if you don't confess, it didn't happen. He would need to deal with him later, but from now, he was quite useful. Joan contacted Dr. Lynn, and he came out and greeted the man. I'm sorry, but I have no openings. Can I refer you to someone else? John, with authority, said, I'll take your 9 a.m. slot. The doctor explained, that is, out of all of his appointments, the time consistently filled. John spoke again. The doctor was taken back. I'll take the 9 o'clock appointment. If the person comes in, I will leave and pay you full price for your trouble. The doctor looked at the time. It was now after 9. Okay, it's your money. John smiled. No, it's your money. As John walked past Joan, he whispered something, just enough that she alone would hear it. She turned ghost white, covered her mouth like the insides of her were going to come out. And then she hit the bathroom, and they almost did, to the point of heaving up blood. She felt like she was going to die. And perhaps that would be better, she thought. Dr. Lynn had went inside his office. Okay, Mr. Elton, I see you filled out the paperwork. Do you mind if I call you John? For now, John said. First, I need to brief you on something. John stopped him in mid-sentence. I've signed the consent for treatment. No ROI emergency contact needed. I understand HIPAA, the Privacy Act, 1974. I do not have a substance use disorder, although I do like my bitter coffee. But that is not in your manual or any other co-occurring disorder, so I do not need to brief me on 42 CFR Part 2. Further, I know you're a mandatory reporter. If if a danger to self or others, abusing a child or an elder, have I missed anything, Doc? Doctor Lynn stared at John. I see you've been to counseling. No, said John. You're my first. Let's just say I've known a lot of counselors. Dr. Lin shared, Well, looking through your paperwork, according to what you've wrote here, your trauma is what you've come to me for. But you don't have PTSD? Can you explain that to me? I only have trauma for three days each year. Other than that, there is no pathology, Doc. What are your symptoms? Flashbacks every year. I am back there watching the same man die, and then three days later. What happened three days later? We can talk about that more in therapy, Doc. No life stressors, no previous diagnosis, medication, hospitalization? Doc, I assure you, I've not ever needed hospitalization, medical or psychiatric or otherwise. I've never been sick. I'm in perfect health. Well, I see you left the family history blank. I have none you mean you don't remember your childhood N- no I just was doc I just was and there's no history of any kind of abuse by anyone no one would dare to even try to do that you reported you're both spiritual and religious I love religion doc and spirituality I believe in me and there is a God Culture and language I speak fluently many languages too many to count And as far as the gender, I'm trans-spirit human. And sexual orientation, non-binary. I see no relationship history. That is correct. You mean you have no one in your life? That is correct. I do not need companionship. Have you not been in love once, John? I have no use for that four-letter word. It makes one weak and dependent on another, and I'm the captain of my own ship and the master of my own destiny. I see here you've been to, in a war. I'm always at war, Doc. The battle rages every day. Have I have seen more combat than you can know. What service or theater were you in? Just pick one, Doc. What did you do in the service? I am a leader of armies. John looked at Dr. Lynn. I assure you, no delusions. Everything I'm saying to you is true. Any grief or loss? I don't grieve. I have no one to grieve for. It says le- no legal history. John laughed. True, but I am a man of lawlessness. So you haven't been caught? Let's save that one for therapy too, okay, Doc? It says you're financially quite wealthy. I have enough to do my work. What is a human conservationist? I ensure that the Earth's population remains balanced. How do you do that? Doc, you can do anything, buy anything. People will fall over their morals and values for the right prize. Dr. Lin looked at John with disbelief. John said, I'm not in your DSM-5TR, and I assure you I am the most rational creature you will ever meet. Any homicidal thoughts or intentions or plan? It's an occupational hazard, Doc. Are you a professional killer, John? Oh no, I've not ever killed anyone in my life. Let's just say I make it easy for people to do what they want to do. No suicidal thoughts, Doc, either. Just then the phone rang. It was Joan. Hi, you're home? You got suddenly sick? And Anne's filling the front desk? Well, that was sudden. Okay, well, I'll see you after the holiday. Get better. Shall we continue, Doc? I know your time is valuable, as it's mine. Strengths. You don't have enough paper, Doc. Barriers. I'm a created being. That's my only limitation. Okay. What are your goals for treatment, John? It's quite simple, Doc. I have trauma. I need to tell you my story. I'm also bored with my occupation, and my timing is off. I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be, so help in that area would be helpful. Why do you think you're bored with your occupation, John? People are so predictable. I don't even, it's not even a challenge anymore. Offer them a little honey, something sweet, a little glitter, fame, power, lust, something they don't have. I'm a hunter, and I'm tired of these pathetic humans. At least a roaring lion on the savannah chases their prey. I envy them. Humans, on the other hand, are weak, so easily influenced. So I'm offering them a gift through this session, Doc. I want them to know it is my intent to completely annihilate their poor, pitiful lives and torture them forever. I want them to at least try and resist. The best it seems we can do these days is offer them a false hope and then a false identity, other than their loving God has for them. You seem to hate people, John. I don't hate them. I hate the one who created them. When I inspire them to turn away from God and give him the finger, that is my goal for humanity. John continued, I want three sessions this Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Well, that's out of the question. Is it? Do you know why George did not have a breakthrough with you in his trauma work? He is your 9 a.m. Mr. Elton, I cannot confirm or deny if I know the patient or not. Yeah, the HIPAA rules. Even apply when they're dead, doesn't it, Doc? George received a visitor just before he left his house to come to this appointment. William dropped off at my request an envelope. George saw the pictures and went into a rage. See, the secret you don't know, Doc, was he was accidentally killed a woman. She was a mom with a baby girl. And he devoted his life from a distance to secretly care for her. She found out who he was and sought out their reunion. And instead of a tearful, grateful young girl he was expecting to love, she found out he killed her mom and threatened to blackmail him. He was a well-known politician with elections coming up next year. He couldn't afford the scandal. He didn't mean to kill her either, but rage, betrayal. When he grabbed her neck, he just held on, and her lifeless body crumpled to the floor, or so he thought. He walked away and left, although she wasn't quite dead. Her windpipe was damaged severely, but she would grasp for breath for many hours before she died. Quite a horrible death. George, however, when he tried the same thing on William, thinking he was there to blackmail him, wasn't as successful. You see, William had already accidentally killed a family just two days ago. And wouldn't you know it, George's momentum took him right over the second story rail. And when he landed, he severely damaged his neck. William thought George was dead. Oh, how he suffered, gasping for air. Until he finally suffocated to death, John looked at his watch, right? about now. Do you know that one of my favorite Bible sayings is, Dr. Lin? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Poetic justice, don't you think? Dr. Lin stood up. There is no way I'll agree to see you. Good day. Well, After all I did to set up these appointments, you'll see me, Dr. Lynn. I'll pay you enough money to retire. The medical clinic your wife runs for the poor that your business supports? Think about what you can do with the money. You could pay off your house. You could retire. You could travel and see the world. You could pay others to do your work. <laughs> I don't want your money, said Dr. Lin. It's stained with blood. Well, I figured that. So I took some precautions. You see, there is this young woman who went through more abuse than you have ever counseled anyone. She thought she would put it all behind her. She went to school, she got her degree, she worked for you for many years. Yet all it took was a whisper in her ear, and it all came flooding back. It was too much for her little mind and body to handle, and as we speak, she's giving consideration, a lot of thought, to taking that knife and raking it across her vein. One more whisper, Doc, and, well, you know. Dr. Lynn went ghost white. I see you've gotten your attention, Doc, but you can save her. She'll need to resign, but after a while, she'll be your client. And see, I even filter 9 a.m. slot after I'm done. It will take years, but she'll have sort of a life, and who knows, maybe you'll be able to help her overcome her trauma. Dr. Lynn went from shock to anger. Who the hell do you think you are? The devil? Well, as a matter of fact, I am. But that's not my given name. When I was created, I was named Lucifer. Dr. Lynn sat back, defeated, thinking about how to get out of this. Why me, he asked. Is it because of the work I do on trauma? No, Lucifer handed Dr. Lynn this morning's newspaper. He couldn't believe his eyes. A drunk man was killed by a speeding car yesterday. See anything familiar, Doc? You remember, don't you? It was 1988. Good Friday. A drunk man staggered in front of your car. You were the one who hit the brakes and watch the other car crush his body over the hood and fly into the night. We have this in common. Good Friday. It was my trauma event, and it is also yours. And nothing ever happens good on that Friday. Three sessions, Doc, is all I want. Oh, Doc, and by the way, I have a legal team. If you so much as mention to anyone my identity, before I give you permission, I will end your practice and personally set your license on fire and watch you and your career go up in smoke. Reluctantly, John, Dr. Lynn said, I guess I have no, no choice. Of course you have a choice, John said. Isn't that what you tell those are on parole coming to see you? It's the same. They have a choice. If you don't comply, well, there are consequences, isn't there? Oh, and make sure you get enough sleep. I want you at your best tomorrow. See you at 9 a.m.? Doc? See you at 9am? See you at 9am, said Dr. Lynn. The doctor watched as the nightmare left his office. He looked out the window, down at the street below, and watched John get into a fiery red sports car and drive away. The doctor could have sworn that the back, back red tail lights was hell itself smiling at him. Now, for those of you who are expecting your typical religious broadcast, podcast, I know this is quite extreme. However, you need to know there is a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 I have a question for you. How easy are you pray for Lucifer? What has he offered you that you would reject God's gift of his love? The truth is your soul is so valuable to Lucifer, he wants to keep it and to enjoy your burning torment for eternity. Or you can, as we talked about in the last episode, let Jesus ransom you from the devil by your repenting from your sins and praying and surrendering your devil-owned life to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and then being loved for eternity as you were created to be. In the next episode, 16, Lucifer tells his story.